I guess that's what happens when you don't get your podcast out on time. Yes, you found the Article 7 podcast produced by me, Pastor Andy Jago. And uh, this podcast features the sermons and sounds of the ministry at Bethany Lutheran Church, 2501 Beacon Hill Road. That's where we're located. Or you can find us online at www.bethany, that is B-E-T-H-A-N-Y dash L-C-M-S dot O-R-G. This is episode four of the church series and getting out a little late again. Uh, ideally Friday, incidentally, is uh, is the release time each week. And uh, I've been getting farther and further behind. I've been falling behind this fall, um, hence the angry mob. <laughs> and this, uh, this podcast is produced in between the heartbeats of the ministry. And, uh, man, there's been so much activity. The heart is beating faster and faster. So, yeah, it so happens that I'm getting a few hours here and there this week uh, rather unexpectedly. I'm visiting, in fact, the show's only sponsor, uh, who happens to be my parents, actually. So this is kind of a unique opportunity to produce the podcast and uh, show them how it's done. Oh, plus I get the work done, too. So win-win, win all the way around. So on this podcast, we have... Uh, some uh, music coming up and as promised music from all the different corners of Bethany Lutheran we've heard from C2W so far this this fall and uh, also a little bit from the Alleluia singers so we're going to spread the love a little bit and uh, get uh, a lot of different kinds of music and we're going to start a new feature called Uncanny Alexandria uh, and that will be coming up next so stick around Virginia. Yes, I've lived here and been a part of the community for over seven years now. I have to say, oh man, there's still surprises. Um, and the, the biggest surprises come from the history that's here. And of course you would f- expect to find history. I mean, uh, you know, right where George Washington lived and Robert E. Lee and people like that. However, you know, there's the kind of history, it's the quality of the experiences that you have, and sometimes in the most unexpected places. In fact, the feature that I did on this podcast before in the summertime is called Unexpected Alexandria. And you can go back uh, to the podcast previous episodes and take a look at that. But the one I'd like to do now, I just uh, keeping with the you theme, I guess, is uncanny Alexandria because these are experiences you can have that are just maybe a little out of the ordinary a little strange a little weird um, so yes in this part one I'd like to tell you about an opportunity to combine history with a little science yes maybe even a little <laughs> mad science <laughs> okay stop that all right mad science 
is actually the name of the program offered to at the Stabler Ledbetter Apothecary. What is an apothecary? It's a historic name for someone that distributed medicine, medical supplies, and then throughout the history of the apothecary, also they would provide the community with things like rodent traps and soda pop. I mean, well, thanks for your health, right? So uh, the apothecary in Alexandria was given to the city with most of its jars, boxes, and instruments still on the shelf. And, you know, so the, the, the docents since then have done their best to keep this, this unique atmosphere alive, to make this a, a kind of living history when you come in to, to visit the apothecary and, uh, and really take you back in time as if you were uh, coming in in the middle of the 17 or 1800s. So October 19th, uh, we came in for the mad science tour in the apothecary, but we being myself and my two children. So you not only get to see the shop and hear about, you know, the health and maintenance of people in the 17 and 1800s, what they thought about health, their attitudes toward it, but also you get to go upstairs and that's where you see a little science. First, there's a demonstration by mad science, uh, mad scientist rather, and then you get to do something hands-on. What I thought was the coolest though is you get to go into the upper storage room stocked with unique things like unicorn root and mandrake and yes dragon's blood (laughs) oh stop that okay so it was an exciting and fun afternoon i have to say the apothecary is just off the corner of south fairfax and king street in old town alexandria and the mad science program is held a few times a year i asked the docent while i was there one of the docents if she would like to say a few words in fact to encourage folks to come out for this unique opportunity. Well, yes, welcome back. This is, uh, uh, we're actually right now at the Apothecary in Alexandria. Just did the Mad Science Program with the kids. Uh, and hopefully you'll see the uh, pictures up on the blog, which I'll tell you about in a moment. But first I want to give you Michelle, and uh, who did a, a fabulous job introducing us to the apothecary. And I noticed in a, that this isn't the only mad science program. we got something coming up in April. Yes, on April 12th, we're going to be doing this program again. You'll be able to come here to the Stabler Leadbeater Apothecary Museum, and you'll see where real science and mad science sort of interconnect. The tours are about 45 minutes, and they start every half hour. Um, and they're going to feature some historic mem- uh, medicines with some very fun side effects. And then upstairs you'll meet our very own mad scientist, and we'll talk about some of the crazy concoctions in the science programs that are behind them. We are uh, open to both Girl Scout and Boy Scout troops as well, and the program almost completes the Brownie Home Scientist Badge. And we'd love to see you here at the Stabler Ledbetter Apothecary Museum on April 12th. Thanks. Hey, awesome. Very good. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So a little spooky, a little strange, oh, but a lot of history in this uncanny Alexandria experience. So if you want to see some pictures and read a transcript of this segment, visit the Article 7 blog, www.revjago.blogspot.com. Look for the title, Uncanny Alexandria Mad Science at the Apothecary. 
And join me next time for the next segment of Uncanny Alexander, all about some strange symbols and things that are associated with uh, one of our country's founders. Coming up next is our music segment, uh, and we'll hopefully have some two two things of uh, two segments of music uh, to enjoy from our worship recorded on October the nineteenth.
Welcome back. Yes. And so now time for a few notes before jumping into the sermon recorded number four in the series, the church series uh, titled The Church in the World. Now, the first part of the church series, we've been looking at different aspects of the church being helped along by St. Paul in his letter to the Philippians. And these next three are going to be about the location of the church. Where is the church? And people would probably sarcastically say, well, Pastor, if you don't know that, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I know. I, we're located, my church, Bethany Lutheran, located at 2501 Beacon Hill Road, like you heard at the top of this podcast. But in the next three sermons, we're going to be looking at the church in somewhere. So thinking about the church in the world, in battle, in glory. And we'll, as we do this, I'd like to encourage uh, members of Bethany Lutheran, but also if you are a church member somewhere, uh, to also pray for your church. And uh, I'm going to draw out some prayer points now as you listen to this, you know, things to think about as you encounter this text of Scripture and as we think about, you know, the renewing our churches. Uh, you know, what, is the, what does that look like? So, And I always like to begin with Thanksgiving. So, as we think about the church in the world, we thank God for putting the church in the world. Uh, that we weren't taking. Uh, uh, there's there's certainly a lot of crummy things about the world. Don't 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 get me wrong there, but um, you know that we have the the power to change people and to change the the places where we live in for the better uh, through the good news that changes people's lives, the good news of Jesus Christ and. Uh, you know, we thank God for that, uh, that, that uh, he doesn't leave people lost and alone, uh, but, uh, but with this kind of connection to his love. So we also want to pray, I think, another prayer point about the church in the world is we think about God keeping us as a faithful witness. We have to bear testimony and be a faithful witness to, to who we are and what we believe in. And there's so many things that get distracted from that, of course. You know, and when you're in a church and you're worried about the institutional needs of the church, there's so many things out in the world that we get worried about and concerned about and that sort of thing. And and it's hard to keep, as uh, as one of my mentors said, the main thing, the main thing, uh, which is just being a testimony, being a witness to the love of Jesus Christ in your life. And so I guess prayer point number two would be to, <laughs> for the church in the world to keep the main thing, the main thing. Then uh, and number three, uh, the, the praying to God uh, in thanksgiving, but also uh, petitioning to help us when we are thinking of ourselves as dual citizens. You know, we are citizens, uh, I'm a citizen of the United States of America, and that means I have certain duties, responsibilities, you know, in my community, you know, to, to help better the community, to help maybe students who are going to school with my kids, you know, to help... Um, uh, get uh, the the fire company or or the police department and and that sort of thing you know to to, uh, to be a good citizen, but also there's a dual citizenship there. What lays behind my citizenship in in this world is my citizenship in all of eternity, uh, which is in heaven. It's uh, our heavenly citizenship with our Lord Jesus Christ, and that certainly influences who we are here on this earth. And ultimately, if there's if I get <laughs> direct orders to say, you know, to uh, violate one of the Lord's commandments or, you know, not to. So the, the, the ex- biblical example is the disciples who were told in the book of Acts to not 
preach in the name of Jesus? And their response to the governing authorities was, well, we got to obey God rather than men. So that's the guiding principle in, in a Christian's life, I think. Uh, and very rarely are we called on, but there are times in history. Nazi Germany is probably the most recent and, and one that comes to my mind. Uh, well, recent, nothing. I mean, when you talk about, you know, being living in different parts of the world, um, there are plenty of places where Christians are faced with with those sorts of things all the time. Maybe not here in North America, but certainly in lots of places of the world. Maybe that's another prayer point. We think about our connection to the church all over the world. The, who, the Christians who have this dual citizenship in Africa, Iraq, and uh, Russia, and, and all over the world. We have a connection there to them. Um, so, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, of, of ways for God to renew uh, us and our relationship to the church and our relationship to him and our mission to this world. So let's think about these things and uh, may the Lord bless uh, the preaching of his word and, and bless, uh, the, bless the, the prayers and the renewal of his church. The text for our sermon today, the gospel lesson that was read a moment ago from Matthew chapter 22, and highlighting especially the last part of that text, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. In the name of Jesus, dear Christian friends, first a uh, thank you. It is good to hear our choir today and to see a little practice of liturgical dance. It's the advantage Pastor has of looking this way, I guess. That was pretty graceful. Uh, and I also appreciated during the uh, during the hymn that we just sang. I don't know if you if you if you had your hand right here on the pew, at the end of each section, you'd feel the pew shake a little bit. <laughs> that's a, that's just letting out our the power of our our instrument up there. So I appreciated our organ. I appreciated the shake, probably because I'm all about that bass. That's a cultural reference, and I'm going to get in trouble for that later, trust me. <laughs> but uh, culture is something that is here with the sermon today, and we're going to take a look at how the, how the church relates to our present culture. But we're going to get there by way of Matthew and the world that, that is here, that is the world of our Savior Jesus. So first of all, uh, let's take a look uh, in, in, uh, in, in our lesson for today, Matthew chapter 22, 15 through 16. And you can follow along in your pew Bible, or uh, if you brought your Bible with you, as we've been encouraging you to do, uh, as we continue through this series of the church. And we, we just got done with the, the church uh, series with the, the book of Philippians, leading us hopefully to pray for our church uh, that the, the God would make us a loving church, a joyful church, and maybe above average church as well, uh, using Philippians as our guide there. Now we're going to shift gears. We're going to go to some different parts of the scripture the next three Sundays and take a look at context, where the church is. First place, the church in the world. That's where we are today. And uh, in, the, in the world, 
We are surrounded by our culture. And what we see right at the beginning of Matthew, of our gospel lesson today, is a clash of cultures. On the one hand, the Pharisees. On the other hand, the Herodians. Pharisees lived out a righteous life in front of people because they felt that if they worked hard enough, they would get back in God's graces. God would give them their nation back. That was the belief and understanding. That's what they wanted. They didn't want the Romans there. They wanted their nation back. On the other hand, you have the Herodians, after King Herod, very sympathetic to the Roman government. So if you were to ask the question, should we pay taxes to these groups of individuals, you may get very different responses. The Pharisees may respond, well, no, we don't like taxes. And uh, the, the Herodians respond, yes, we should, because we like the Roman government. It's a good thing for us. These two could not be further apart, and yet here they are together. Why are they together? Because both of them do not like Jesus. And they wish to do away. I mean, if you look in context here, Jesus is one by one offending every one of the religious establishment of his day while he's teaching there in Jerusalem, and while he's teaching there in the temple. He's offending them. He is saying, that he gives the parable about the tenants and the vineyard. The Pharisees know that's about them, and so they start to grumble and conspire how they're going to kill Jesus. They can't because of the crowd. Jesus says when he was arrested in Gethsemane, day by day, I was... I was teaching there in the temple. Come at me, bro. I'm right here. <laughs> but no, they can't touch him because the people are around him. And he is that popular. He offends the Sadducees. The Sadducees tried to trip him up about a question about the resurrection. This is all right here in the Gospel of Matthew. Is around the text that we are in today. The chief priests, I mean, they all take their turn at Jesus. Not all of them failing, of course. They cannot defeat the wisdom of Almighty God who is incarnate there in their midst, and they cannot see that as well. So we have them coming up. And I'll tell you, when they do approach him, the Pharisees don't come out themselves. It's just their disciples. They approach him, and the Herodians approach him. If you work in politics, or you have to be in a position where you're influencing, you want to try to influence other people, I mean, here's a good case study. This is these. Look at the words of flattery that begin their question. The words of flattery that are here. I mean, you could take a note here about how to how to really be you know, work work the political system here. So they 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 send along their disciples, and what do they say? Teacher, we know that you are true, and you teach the word of God truthfully. And you don't care about anyone's opinion. You're not swayed by appearances. So what's going to happen if Jesus doesn't answer their question? It's going to give the appearance that he is persuaded by all. He is intimidated by power and authority and all those things. So they open with that. Masterfully. Masterfully. Then tell us what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Now here's something they both disagree on. These people who are asking this Jesus this question and if he goes one way, he's going to offend half the people. If he goes other way, he's going to offend half the people. The other interesting thing that's behind all this that they might have known is that there's a person by the name of Simon, not Peter, but he's identified as Simon the Zealot. The Zealots 
came together as, as a political party, if you will, basically to get the Romans out party, after a person by the name of Jesus the Galilean raises up a, a, a revolt. Why? Because of this poll tax, the census tax, which they're asking Jesus about. So there is already a rebellion over this issue. And one of Jesus' disciples was maybe not involved with that rebellion, but certainly sympathetic to it. So we have that in the background going on here with their question. Masterfully, masterfully done. Even though they're the bad guys, you've got to admire their approach here. My goodness. What are, what are the two things that are inevitable evils in our life? Death and... What are two things that people say you should not bring up in polite conversation? Religion and... Well, you're going to get it all in this sermon, folks. I just want to tell you. <laughs> all these things, all these landmines that we're not supposed to, to step on. Is it lawful? Is it lawful to pay tax? Jesus' answer is to say, you hypocrites. So he, he right away doesn't give them any quarter. He doesn't return their flattery, which you're supposed to do in the political arena. Even though you hate each other, you smile and say things through gritted teeth, you know. And, and he doesn't do that. He doesn't mince words. You hypocrites! Why put me to the test? Show me the coin. Give me the coin. And they take the coin. And on the coin, they see George Washington. No. <laughs> that would be today, right? They would see Martin Van Buren there, you know, in a dollar bill, a dollar coin. Give unto Martin Van Buren the things that are Martin Van Buren's. That doesn't make much that doesn't ring as true. Caesar is a word that is, is not only the image on the coin, but the word Caesar also means the government. It's a collective word for, you know, for you know, giving, giving Caesar his due. It's a, it's a collective word for the governing authorities at the time. Right? And Jesus gives, says the coin, whose inscription is this Caesar? So he knew even the Pharisees had one of those in their pocket. Because they all, they all use that money. They all participate in the government in that way. Jesus knew this. He says, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Some people think that's an evasive answer. It's not. It's full of truth. It's full of glory. It encompasses all of our existence here in this world. We may be citizens for a time of an earthly kingdom, but we are always citizens of the heavenly kingdom. We have obligations to both, but the one is temporary, the other is eternal. Jesus answers the question truthfully and well. And I think also gives us guidance for today, because today the church lives in the world. Jesus says this in his high priestly prayer. When his disciples are gathered around him in John 17. And he says, Lord, I do not pray that you take them out of the world. And I think that's significant. There are Christians in history that have wanted to go out of the world. St. Anthony, the aesthetics in the wilderness, the, the monasteries that have been formed you know, so that you separate yourself from the world. Put yourself in a little 
fortress place where you can pray and work and not be not even have to have the temptations that are out there. I, I venture a safe guess that's none of us who are here right now in worship. We're not in a monastery currently. We're out here in the world. And Jesus acknowledges he doesn't want people to be out of the world. We have to be here in the world, which means that we have to deal with it. And so what happens when we get a culture around us that, that is not sending the same messages that we want to send our children about valuing the family, about staying away from immorality and evil, not glorifying immorality and evil. And what happens when we get a message that is from our government that we disagree with and, and may conflict with our teachings that we teach that are rooted in our faith? Jesus gives us guidance. First of all, we are not out of the world. We're in the world. We have to deal with it. Second of all, and render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. So we have obligations as citizens of this country, the United States. Paying the taxes, obeying the law, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Romans 13 expands on what Jesus says. But we are citizens of this country. It's not a fair balance because our, it is, it, it, if, if there should ever be a conflict between the two, as there has been in the past. The Roman government wasn't always helpful or, or good to Christians. In fact, you go as far as Emperor Nero, who just raised immorality to a different level. And Christians had to think of how do you live, how do you cope in a culture that, that is just full of this stuff immorality, orgies, sexuality, doesn't matter. We just, we'd raise it up to a new level. We flaunt it. And Christians are like, well, how do we deal with that? Nazi Germany, there, had, there were Christians at the time where the government was saying, we want to come into your church and you have to give an oath of loyalty to the state in your church, in worship. And there, of course, was the final solution, which was the Holocaust of sending people to the concentration camps if Christians helped people escape that, then they also could be killed. So you have that going on. And that's nothing new. I mean, all the way back in the book of Acts, you, the governing authorities said you have to stop telling people about Jesus. The response was we must obey God rather than men. Our obligations to the heavenly country come first and foremost. And that is the balance. We render to God the things that are God's. Those are the things that are spelled out in the Scripture, the things that, that, that we are told, the things that also bring us the love of Jesus Christ. So here we say, as we live as a church in this world, what gives us the grace and mercy and strength to do that? And there, there sometimes may not be easy answers to how we deal with conflicting messages and how that processes and, and all those things. I could, go, I could go through all the different cultural things that are going on right now and say we should be fighting against it or being a good influence on it. But, but the most important thing, the most important grace we have comes from Jesus Christ, who is ruler of the whole universe, but yet came down to this earth, became a citizen. Yes, probably paid his taxes. <laughs> he says to Peter, you know, when Peter comes to the temple tax, go take it out of a fish. He took it out of the mouth of a fish that shekel 
temple tax. Even though the temple, he's the son of God. He doesn't have to pay tax to be worshipped in the temple. But no, he is a citizen of this country. He became as one of us, shared in this life, took our sin to the cross to defeat it, to make us citizens of the heavenly country forever. With that grace, with that mercy, with that love, we go out into this world. We are citizens, yes, of the United States, and because of Jesus' love transforming us, we are salt, we are light, we share the love of Jesus wherever we can. That's why the church is in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds forever on Christ Jesus. Amen. We rise for prayer.